0: I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. And now it's time, once again, for the Jack Riccardi Show. Well, a big night for CNN, Christian. <laughs> 3.15 right. million viewers. uh uh-huh. hmm 700,000 in the key 25 to 54 demographic. CNN basically had the audience last night that Tucker Carlson had on just a regular night when he was just talking.
1: Mhm. I wonder why that was.
0: Yeah, well, um because they went back to something that was working for them in 2015 and 2016. I love all the I love all the hand-wringing about uh, you know, oh, it was irresponsible and oh, how could they do this and like don't give him a platform, baby. They're going to be giving him a platform. <laughs> it's the only thing that makes as often as they can. Yeah, yeah. You want to know who the replacement for Tucker Carlson is? It's the guy with the long red tie. That's who it is. And I feel bad because, believe it or not, I hate to admit this, but I completely missed it. Well, I didn't watch it live. I'm going to admit this up front. I didn't watch it live. I had something mm-hmm. else to do, and then I had taped it and I skimmed it. Um, and we're going to talk about it, but no, I don't, I mean, not, not everybody, not everybody watched it, but because you didn't watch, you now, Christian, don't know the name of E. Jean Carroll's cat. Oh, yes, I do. Cause like you, I've skimmed it. (laughs) 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 Nice try, Ricardo. There's two things. There's two things in the last 24 hours I could have lived without knowing. Isn't that the truth? I, I really could have lived without knowing that. And I really could have lived without knowing that Whoopi Goldberg doesn't wear underwear. So, oh. I got. I got to go work. I could on have been news. very happy. I could die right now. Uh, I did not need to know either of those things. I could die right now. Hey, don't get your hopes up. All right. Well, let's dive into our dreadful little show. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I've been mixed up all. I'm having one of those weeks where I, I, I haven't known what day it was all week, and today is Thursday, and I've thought it was Thursday all week. So I'm finally right uh, today. It might be the only thing I'm right about. But yeah, big big ratings uh, for CNN. Uh So, did you watch the Trump Town Hall? What did you think about it? 210-599-5555. Uh, here he is taking a question from a New Hampshire voter about what's the first order of business if he gets back into office. Cut number four.
2: Hi, thank you so much for coming to New Hampshire thank to you. answer our questions my question is regarding the economy over the past two years we have seen the prices for everything skyrocket from food to gas to utilities and insurance costs many people's bills are up several hundred dollars a month including mine If elected president again what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable
0: drill baby drill. Mm. That coincidentally is also what he said to E. Jean Carroll in the dressing room. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Come on. That's not true at all, I don't think. Uh, so what did you think about it? Well, I'll tell you what. I realized last night that there's Trump 2023 and there's Trump 2015. And we kind of knew this, but remember that Trump 2015 was all about us. He was talking about us. He was talking about jobs leaving the country and infrastructure falling apart and terrorists are, are in scent, and illegal immigration and health care costs and Obamacare. And, and And he called out the failures of politicians in both parties. And the 2015 announcement when he came down the golden escalator was all about you and me. And I know people who didn't like him and didn't vote for him, but they heard that announcement and they grudgingly had to admit that that this was a guy who was tapped into where people's heads were at. That was 2015, and that guy won. The Trump we have now, and before you get angry, let me just explain this. The Trump we have now is all about him. It's all about himself. And you're going to say, but Jack, he has to talk about himself because he's under attack. I know, I know, I get it. He he has to defend himself against criminal charges and civil actions, and his every word and action is just is scrutinized and and uh, judged, and he's trying to deflect, you know, every punch. And, And and I get why he does it, but honestly, and I'm speaking just for myself, all of that stuff doesn't matter to me. All of that stuff doesn't matter if you're strangling under inflation. And I don't want to hear that his poll numbers keep going up, because, again, that doesn't matter to me. And last night, the Trump we saw on CNN, and by the way, Trump's not what he used to be, and neither is CNN, it was a lot about him and settling scores. And um, it was very on-brand. I mean, he, he called Caitlin Collins a... A uh, nasty person. I think we have that one done. Do we have that one? Is that uh, cut number six?
3: What's
1: the answer? Can I, do you mind?
3: I would like for you to answer the okay. question.
1: Okay, it's very simple to That's answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to. You are a nasty person. I'll tell mm-hmm. you.
0: And he had good moments with the. I think the moments with the listener. Uh, I mean, the listener. The uh, the the audience members were good. Listen to this one. Cut number twelve.
3: So Give just to be clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not agree to the spending cuts Republicans well, are you demanding? you might as well do
1: it now because you'll do it later because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people. Okay, if that was a different people.
0: one. I thought, I thought that was a different one. But anyway, um, he had some good answers. A lot of it was about him. And I guess for me the problem is um, it's not this, this Donald Trump is not as interested in us, as he is in clearing his name, defending himself. Some of his answers were very vague. He said he would find a solution to abortion that would make everyone happy. Obviously, that's not possible. Uh, he said he would end the war between Russia and Ukraine in 24 hours. Um, I, 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 I do think, I do think it's very interesting that CNN went through the histrionics of like beating themselves up over doing this and agonizing over whether they should have done it. They clearly did it because it's a ratings uh getter for them. Are they going to do a town hall with Vivek or Mike Pence or you know, clearly clearly not, right? At least not right now. Um but I think um the other the other sort of thought I had listening to this and watching this was that um I mean Trump's still he's the front runner. He's way ahead. Uh, he's got an incredible brand. People know him. The people who love him still love him. He didn't do anything last night to lose the people that love him. I just don't think he did much to gain or add to his followers. And I felt like he left openings that you could drive a truck with a DeSantis sticker right through. In other words, if that had been a debate with DeSantis or other Republicans on the stage with him, I think there would have been a lot of vulnerabilities. I think he left himself open on a lot of stuff, and and so again, um, I want to know what you thought. And I, and I and I grant you, if you're already a supporter of his, I'm sure that you liked what you heard and you liked what you saw, and it was very much on point and on brand. Um, the liberal meltdown over this town hall tells us a lot. Again set aside CNN because they're only pretending to be consternated about this. They love the ratings. They were popping champagne corks. But when I lo- when I watch the people on the other networks and I look at these liberal members of Congress all saying there's no way this should have happened. There's no way he should have been on TV. Think about what they're saying. This man is the front runner for the nomination of one of our two major political parties. And you're arguing that A news network should not put him on television. That's your, that's your position on democracy and a free press is that we should not cover him. I mean, I'm not a Caitlin Collins fan, but you know, this is what you do, right? You ask probing questions and you push and you test and you hammer. Uh, the person that's running for the highest office in the land. And so what they're saying is not just that CNN should not have put him on, but that no one should put him on. Well, why even have an election then? I mean, if you really, if you really extrapolate what the denouncers of this town hall event are saying, why are we even allowing people to vote for him? Why should he be allowed to give a speech anywhere or appear in front of a crowd anywhere or ever be, uh, you know, on any platforms, media or otherwise? It's ridiculous. They're like, they're like spoiled children. They not only can't defend what they believe, nor can they sell it to you, but they cannot hear someone dismantling it. And it's not that they disagree, they somehow think it's a threat. Hey, if your ideas are so great on the left, how could anybody be a threat to them? How could somebody that doesn't like them be a threat to them? Obviously not. When I look at this, um, and it's very early in this race, I mean, you got to think about the fact that eight years ago, Trump hadn't even announced he was running yet. It was mid-June when he came down at the Trump Tower and made that announcement. But when you look back at where we are now compared to, then. There's a couple of things that are that are the same. There is a, a sense that, that the country is broken. That a lot of stuff is not working. It's different and it's for different reasons now. Obviously in 2015 we hadn't had COVID and the shutdown of the economy. The other thing that's pretty obvious is that Trump isn't really running against DeSantis. He's He's not really running against the media because, like I said, the media has a love-hate with him. He's so good for their bottom line. It's unbelievable. He's really running against the big money donors in the Republican Party. Um, th- This is the... This is the real dilemma. You remember how much Trump talked about big-money donors when he was running against Hillary? Remember how in the debate with Hillary he talked about how she would never support uh, reforming the tax code for all her talk about rich people and taxing the rich? She'd never do it because she he was calling out the fact that both parties obviously are built to favor the rich. Rich people write big checks. Rich people make the activities of the political parties possible. People like you and me can't do that. So that's really still where we're at. I mean, it may be eight years later and a lot lot of water has gone under the bridge. But that's kind of where we're at. It's still about big money and big interests. And of course, for the media, like I said, it's about pretending to be horrified, but really enjoying the show and loving the ratings. The other thing I was thinking about watching Trump last night was, and I want to get serious about this now, because up till now I've been talking about politics and television ratings, but let's talk about our country. Our country is in a very dangerous place. I mean, the border is a symbol of that. But the imminent collapse of the border, if you, if you think about it, is not much different than the state of affairs of our economy, our banking industry, our higher education. The average American family is down about seven or $8,000 since Biden became president in terms of purchasing power. So if you didn't get a raise, a substantial raise in these last two years, then you got a substantial pay cut thanks to Biden's inflation. The dollar is at risk. Banks are at risk. The president has done everything to throw fuel on that fire and nothing to put it out. Your dollar has been robbed of its value by government policies. I mean, they point fingers at its greedy companies and it's this and it's that. It's, it's the greed of the government. What we need, as I was thinking, watching last night, we need someone who can calmly and convincingly explain to people That Biden doesn't look dangerous, but Biden is dangerous. That Biden is just the face, the old man face, of some much younger and very dangerous people. Biden will go out there and read anything off the teleprompter. He's the Ron Burgundy of politics. He'll announce anything. He'll endorse any policy. He'll call for things that when he was a younger man, he would have ridiculed and rejected, and rightly so. But now he's got what he's always wanted, and he'll do anything to keep it, and he'll do what they tell him to do. I don't know. How, I don't exactly know the lever they have on him, but they got something. And we need, we must find the best person to explain the dangerous, but benign-looking radicalism of this moment. So I want to talk about that. And if you watched it last night, get your thoughts about it and get your thoughts about where we're at, 210-599-5555. Obviously, we've got a lot of news about the border. We're going to talk about that. We've got a lot of news um, uh, going on about uh, this debt ceiling debate. I I noticed in my email there were Trump people that that watched it uh, because they were very interested in him, and there were Trump people who refused to watch it because it was on CNN, and, uh, so I guess, you know, obviously you can't have an opinion about it unless you've seen some of it or clips of it or, or what have you. Um, I, I, I think back to 2015 and 2016. Remember that, um, Barack Obama was president, but was term limited, couldn't run again. And yet to run in 2016, you had to talk about Obama. You had to talk about Obamacare. You had to talk about the policies on terrorism and the economy. And, um, and Trump was great at that. Um, he proved to be, extremely uh incisive and surgical and he brought a freshness that made him sound different than people that have been in the senate giving speeches for years and years that was that was one of his strongest cards and you're going to tell me jack you're not being fair he's under attack they're trying to get him he's got to defend himself i i know i get it but you have to be fair and admit that that has sapped his time and energy from being incisive and precise about Joe Biden, who is a much worse president than Barack Obama was, who has done much more damage in two years than Barack Obama did in eight. I disagreed with Barack Obama. Joe Biden is trying to destroy things that are dear to me, and, and I think to you too. And again, it's, I say Joe Biden. I'm, I'm putting that in air quotes. It's, it's the people that ride around in the, in the Joe Biden mobile. He's not doing his job on the border. Can we talk about this? I mean, this so-called Title 42 thing is ridiculous. Nobody points out that we shouldn't need Title 42. Title 42 was what we were using because of COVID. Obviously, we should have a secure border, with or without it. I mean, I, I agree with Title Forty Two as far as l- not letting people in the country that could bring in disease and illness. But, but we should. It, it is the president's job, with or without that particular piece, and he is not doing it. He has erased the southern border they are they have sent people down there that when you hear about sending reinforcements they are sending more people down there to process and facilitate the entrance of illegal immigrants into this country and we're sitting here watching this happen to our own country and if this was happening to another country there'd be a debate, if that country was an ally of ours, there'd be a debate about whether we should send them help. It's our country. And when they're not claiming that they've got it under control, then they're alternately claiming that there's not much they can do about it. The other thing I keep remembering is... When we used to talk about illegal immigration, say, in the 1990s, it was Mexican uh, illegal immigrants, predominantly. It is predominantly not that now. These are not the same people. They're not coming from the same situations. They're not coming for the same reasons. Not all of them, anyway. There was video of this huge pile. I think this was down near Brownsville. And there was video of this huge pile of backpacks and bags and clothing and just stuff that had been dumped by people who, uh, rushed across and came into the country and evaded the border patrol. And they just, they dropped everything so they could just run or swim or do whatever they needed to do. And reporters started poking through this pile and they found ID cards from all around the world. These are the people that are getting in. That we know nothing about. The people that are getting in under authority are being released into the country without court dates. They're being told after they get where they want to go, please check in with the federal government. Please check in with ICE. Please, please, once you reach your destination in the United States, please make an appointment with ICE. There's a story today that New York City is considering closing streets and creating shelters in the streets in New York City. This is from WCBS-TV. They would use shipping containers and tents to house the expected onslaught of uh, homeless immigrants. Now, they complained a lot about the people that Greg Abbott sent them. Greg Abbott sent them one one thousandth of what Donald Trump of what uh, excuse me Joe Biden is sending them. Where are the complaints about that? Where are the angry screeds from Eric Adams and Lori Light? I guess Lori Lightfoot is out now, but you know where wh- where is the outrage? We're talking about the difference between a bus load and a tidal wave. Uh, we're plugged into all the breaking news of the day right here, right now. We're live on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa the Jack Riccardi Show. You can join the show. if you want to talk about this stuff. I have friends and family up north. I don't know if you have this experience or not. Over the years when I would talk to them, when we would talk about current events, one thing I noticed was if you live up north, you typically don't really understand the border illegal immigration. I'll admit I didn't when I lived up there. You have to be closer to it. You have to see it. You have to know people. You have to see the impact. And I think something very interesting is happening right now. You know, this of humanity that Biden's reckless words and intentional policies have created is a striking visual. I mean, I don't care where you live in this country. You're seeing the pictures. You're seeing the reporting of people like Bill Malusion and Julio Rosas and others that are on the border. And even the networks that were pretty late to the party are now covering it. So what are they going to do? What are the politicians going to do? They're going to disperse all these people. That's what this whole parole and processing them into the country and releasing them into other cities without a, uh, you know, with just a, an honor system. Hey, we hope you'll check in with us once you get there. That's to make that mass of people go away. Because if you don't see 10,000 or 50,000 people at the river, at the border, then you don't see the scope of the problem. So I hope people are smart enough to know that when they start seeing an exponential jump in people on the streets and sidewalks of their northern cities, that's these people who are down here right now. And that's why sending more troops or sending more people makes no difference. Because this administration's goal is to get them into the country. If the goal was to keep them out, you'd say, yes, send reinforcements. And that's why I I don't disagree with people who say the governor should do this and the governor should do that, and I'm glad he's doing what he's doing, and I agree he could do more. But no matter what he does, it is the policy of this federal administration to move these people into the country. So they are working the other way. So if you're trying to stop it, you're trying to stop the immigrant him or herself, you're trying to stop the cartel or smuggler, and you're trying to stop the federal government. That's a lot. That's a lot. And again, Title 42 shouldn't even be the point. We're acting like that in and of itself is a reason to deny people entry into the country. How about you're, you're not supposed to be here. How about we have a border? How about we have a process? How about we have points of entry? So the debate about Title 42 is simply the last hook. It's the last remnant, if you will. It's like the, you know, vestige of when we had control. But the reason for it is obviously not relevant. And it's a really surreal situation. Because again, through most of our lives, the debate was over who had the best plan, who was most effective, who was most serious. It's a little chilling to realize that your own government has designs on bringing people into the country en masse that they're not blocking the door they're holding the door and they're lying about it and they tell two kinds of lies one lie is we've got it under control and the other lie is it's just too big it's too much it's a hemispheric it's a global problem it's climate related and it's trump's fault and it's jack's fault and it's because it's thursday and it's a month that ends in you know what whatever it is that's the day that ends and why i mean and the honor system is galling because you think to yourself you know this government doesn't trust you and me on anything we're we're its citizens we're its taxpayers we don't get the honor system on anything we have to prove who we are just to pay them But we're releasing hundreds of thousands on quote-unquote parole, meaning they enter the country, but they haven't been quote-unquote admitted to the country, words that probably have no meaning for you and me. And they are to make an appointment for a hearing, and they have, I think, up to a year to do that. And they have to use an app, that we are told is broken and that's assuming they even try and todd benzman who we had on the show the other day did an interesting piece where he talked about how many of the people that are seeking asylum because remember you hear that talk too oh well these are these are people fleeing danger and fleeing oppression and well m- many of the people seeking asylum from country x it turns out have not lived in country x for years, so don't blame them. They're just saying what they know our politicians want to hear. Don't blame them for ga- for playing the game our politicians have set the rules for. And will the uh, sort of uh, what what will we call them the uh, the. Uh, the, the blue state mayors and governors who declared sanctuary, I'll call them sanctuary declarers or sanctuary supporters, will they complain as much as they did about bus loads? How many were on a bus, 50, 60? Maybe two buses came at once, they got a 100. This is going to be so much more than that. And if that was such a bad thing to do, if that was so immoral, then I would expect their apoplexy to be ten times. But it won't be, because this is their guy, this is their party. And they don't really care either. I mean, if you're closing streets in your city, streets that your citizens need to go to work, to go to school, to buy groceries... To run their business. You're closing streets in your city to house people that have never been in your city, have no roots in your city, aren't contributing anything to your city. Is the message you're delivering to your own citizens not crystal clear? I mean, could it be any clearer? I mean, do they have to stick their middle finger up too when they say it? Because it's that's what they're that's what they're doing. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Did uh, Donald Trump help himself or did he help CNN with that town hall dumpster fire that happened last night? Uh If you saw any of it, your thoughts on that, 210-599-5555. Uh, of course, he was asked about the election. He loves talking about what happened in the 2020 election, cut number two.
3: Mr. President, back to what you just said there, though, it, it was not a rigged election. It was not a stolen election. You and your supporters lost more than 60 court cases on the election. It's been nearly two and a half years. Can you publicly acknowledge that you did lose the 2020 now,
1: election? Let me, let me just go on. If you look at True the Vote, they found millions of votes on camera, on government cameras, where uh, they were stuffing ballot boxes. So with all of that, I think it's a shame that what happened, I think it's a very sad thing for our country. I think it's a very sad thing, frankly, for the world, because if you look at what's gone to our country, our country has gone to hell. Our borders are bad. Our military has been bad. You look at the taxes, you look at inflation, what's happened to inflation. It's just destroying our country. Uh, We've really become in many ways a third world country. And it's very sad what's happened in this administration, and it's uh, something that we'll turn around on day one. We were energy independent. Now energy is at a level that we've never had to pay before. Nobody can afford to continue to pay what's happening with energy. But we were energy independent. Uh, We were getting out of Afghanistan with strength and with dignity. And instead we got out, we looked like fools. Probably the most embarrassing President, moment in the history of our country.
3: We have a lot of questions about the economy and foreign Good. policy tonight. But but what you just said there, Republican officials debunked those claims about fraudulent ballots. We want to give you a Who? chance tonight. Who? Republican officials Who? in Georgia and every single state. Uh, there is no, your own election officials, Mr. Not, President.
0: Not. Mm. I mean, I, look, I, I get it. Um, and I'm not dismissing. The, what I think was a lot of, uh, rigging and a lot of shenanigans. Because remember, we voted in a way that we've never voted before in 2020. We did things. We suspended rules. We implemented, uh, means of voting that were, that were unprecedented. We were told it had to be done. That was a lie. Uh, Republicans failed to, uh, backstop it and detect it and be ready for it. His after the election, scramble to put together the the team of the worst lawyers anyone's ever had <laughs> was not impressive. I, I guess I look at this and I say, well, if you believe the 2020 election was stolen, then you should be preparing for the 2024 election to be stolen. I mean, why why wouldn't it be? And so the answer should be, here's what they did, and here's what we are doing to prevent that from happening again. And that's a challenge for the Republican Party, not just for Donald Trump. And that's a challenge for red state governors and red state legislatures. Some of them have met it. A lot of them have not. I, I saw a headline today. Um, FBI fails to comply with GOP subpoena for documents showing alleged Biden bribery. What fails to comply? Like, they, did they drop it? Did they drop the document? Could they not find a stamp? Fails to, they are defying the subpoena. Remember, the whole argument against Trump is that he's lawless. This is the FBI, part of the executive branch of the government, defying a subpoena from the legislative branch of the government. Now, I'm not saying that this is the whole story, but I think it's rich that the people that oppose Trump, whether you oppose him or not is not a, a, of, of importance to me, but, but it's interesting that the case against him is that he is so extra-legal and violates our norms. I mean, how do you have balance of power if the legislative branch can't oversee the executive branch? And it's not that they failed to comply, it's that they chose not to comply. The media keep referring to these um, reports that Comer has, uh, these bank records, as alleged. Alleged business dealings. Alleged payments. How is it alleged if you have the bank records? Are, are the bank records fake? Did the bank fake the records? Is the bank coming out and saying, hey, that stuff Comer has, we didn't give it to him. We don't know where that came from. Those aren't our statements. Does it... Does it defy credibility that every member of the Biden family seemingly was getting money? His grandchildren, infants, were getting money? Like, what possible legitimate explanation could there be for that? And again, this is a family that's never owned a business, operated a business, provided a service. Their only business is being related to a guy that's been in politics for 50 years. They have... Sponged and sucked off of him. They have, they have, uh, parasitically attached themselves to his rising and falling political fortunes. And why would an adversarial country like China be giving his grandchildren money? Come on, man. Uh, it, it, when you think about this week, um, it feels like we've had a combination of um, stuff that really matters, and stuff that that seems contrived to have been a distraction, I would put in the distraction category uh, the um, certifiable lunatic egene Carroll suit. I would put into the distraction category George Santos. <laughs> who knows you know years from now we 're probably going to find out that George Santos was um, shall we say not playing for the team you thought he was playing for. I'm just throwing that out there. But um, this this thing on the border and this real, genuine standoff between Congress and the FBI, this is the stuff that makes history books. This is the stuff that matters. This is the stuff that determines what kind of a country we have. You have to believe that foreign countries that hate us were throwing money at Joe Biden and his family members, direct wires, according to the bank records, as some form of tribute or admiration. Now, I remember, and you probably do too, when Trump was president, there were questions about the emoluments clause because there were government contracts uh, in place at Trump hotels and, and uh, resort properties. I think there was a deal where the Secret Service had stayed at the Trump resort in Scotland and stuff like that. I mean, I- I'm not against investigating that. I'm not against looking at whether or not there were conflicts of interest there, and they did. But we knew that he was in the hotel business before we made him president. There is no other business for the Biden family. There isn't anything else they do. Uh, These people are invested, if you will, or vested, if you will, in, in him. So when you read that they formed somewhere between 15 and 20 shell companies And that money would come in from Romania a few weeks after Vice President Biden met with the president of Romania. I don't care how loyal a Democrat you are. I don't care how much you hate Trump. Are you telling me that you've got some other explanation for that or some other understanding of that? I mean, sincerely, come on. He's on the take. They're on the take. Now if you want to if you want to say hey I think uh Trump enriched himself fine okay but Trump had a product and a service and again it, it, it the question would then be did was there an unfair advantage or did he use being president to um to somehow build or or uh build up that empire of of businesses but he had it we know he had it before he became president. I mean, that's literally what made him president, that he was a successful rich guy. That was what made him president. Biden had none of that. How does a guy who only served in the Senate and as vice president have multiple, multi-million dollar houses? How is it that his grandchildren, some of whom are toddlers, are receiving direct wires from foreign governments? Who do you know that has 15 shell companies set up? And if it was any other politician in any other time, and I said, hey, met with the Romanian leader, then got money from Romanian interests, come on, you, you'd know. We're sitting here like, should they be investigating this? Are Republicans being unfair? Uh, If anything, if anything, I'll, I'll give you a different way to look at it. No, Republicans should not be investigating it. The freaking FBI should be investigating it. Law enforcement should be investigating it. It falls to the Republicans. I don't know much about this Comer guy. He seems to be doing a good job. But it falls to them because the people that should be doing it aren't doing it. We didn't have this problem before. When I was a kid, do you remember ABSCAM? Anybody remember ABSCAM? This is I'm, this is really obscure. But ABSCAM was this big. It played out in the news for weeks. It was this big corruption sting that was run on multiple members of Congress, and I think there were some other politicians outside of Congress as well. It brought down a number of political careers, and it was a bribery operation. And Back in the day, they would stage these things to try to you know, uh capture or snare corrupt politicians. See how many would fall into the net. We know there are corrupt politicians, it's not a question of if, it's it's a question of how many and who they are. And back in the day when you'd have this kind of an investigation, it would typically bring down Democrats and Republicans and Abscam did. Do you remember the House banking scandal? where House members were, were cooking the books on their in-house, it's one of the many perks of being a member of Congress. That brought down Republicans and Democrats. So it's not unheard of, even with the deep state, even though B- Barack Obama was president while Joe Biden was vice president, it, it should have been the FBI. It should be the FBI now. It should have been the FBI during the Trump administration. And by the way, Trump has a little bit of blame in this. Because all the complaining he's done about the FBI and Trump's two FBI directors were, you can look it up, Jim Comey and Christopher Wray, who are the two worst FBI directors we've ever had. And it's not even close. So, yes, Republicans are investigating it, and yes, if you want to say, oh, that's just politics, you can. But the fact is, it's fallen to them. It's, it's dropped down to that level because the people are supposed to do and aren't doing it, haven't done it. So remember when we told you that Tucker Carlson was going to do a show on Twitter and he made that announcement, even though Twitter has not actually yet made that announcement. People right away pointed something out. They said, well, Tucker Carlson still has a contract with Fox. They are paying him. I mean, technically at this moment, he doesn't have a show with Fox, but he does have a paycheck with Fox, and that's a big one. And that contract runs into, I believe, 2025. Can he do the Tucker Carlson Tonight Show or some version of it? Can he, can he go and do something anything like what he was doing before if he's still under contract to Fox? Well, we're going to answer that question here next. Uh, this is uh, how it was reported by Axios.com. Tucker Carlson, after being ousted by Fox News, now accusing the network of fraud and breach of contract and making a host of document demands that could be the predecessor to legal action. The letters from his lawyers to Fox positions Carlson to argue that the non-compete provision of his contract is no longer valid, freeing him to launch his own show on a competing media platform, and he's already indicated he believes that will be Twitter. Um, now, technically, Axios points out the Twitter move would violate the contract Carlson still has with Fox. You can, you can be taken off the air, you can be silenced, but if they're still paying you. You're still under contract and it happens in radio. I mean, there, are, there are cases where, uh, disc jockeys, usually morning show guys, uh, it's, that's, that's the most common situation would be like a, a popular morning show host is under contract to c- certain station. The station decides to go in a different direction or, or he does something stupid or whatever. They have a contract with him because they're paying him he can't go work at the competition. And contracts are intentionally crafted that way in radio and television, because if you think about it, uh, when you're on a station or a channel, they are building or helping to build your value. So they don't want you just taking it to a competitor or wielding it against them. Here's where it gets interesting. Carlson and his lawyers... Are arguing apparently that Fox breached that contract by intentionally and recklessly leaking these private off-the-air audio moments. We, we've we've had a stream of them done. I think we've I think we've had them almost every day, right? And whoever is leaking them to places like Media Matters or Mediaite has to be getting them from somewhere. This is all stuff that is not from on the air. If it was on the air, you could say, well, somebody DVR'd it. This is stuff that happened off the air. It almost certainly, I won't say certainly, but it almost certainly has to have its origins inside the company. And so they may be ready to argue, hey, the contract is over. You broke it. And there's something in contracts called full faith where a company has to treat an employee with full uh, faith and respect and um, fairness. So just as you owe your company certain things, the company owes you certain things. And the company cannot do things to damage and disparage your ability to get employment somewhere else. And, and numerous court decisions have upheld this so that this is a kind of an enshrined notion in contract law. It, it, there's no doubt that that is in Tucker Carlson's contract. So, yes, right now their argument might be you're still our employee. His argument is all these leaks and attempts to smear me mean that contract has been broken. Here here's another example of what I mean, and this is one that um I think this was on the Media Matters uh website, I think is where I got it. Um so he's he's getting ready to go on the air just to set the scene. He is sitting at the desk, they're doing his hair, they're lint rollering his jacket. He's talking into the microphone, so you don't hear the other person he's talking to, but it's probably a producer or a director, and this is what it sounds like cut number eight.
2: I did. I talked to her at great length. It was actually pretty funny. I said, you know, oh, I said, I." she tried to get, I was like, she's got a lot of liberals working over there. And, you know, they see this as war. And we're the main force on the other side. And, like, that's crazy. If you've got pronouns in your Twitter bio, you shouldn't work here. Because we can't trust you because you're on the other side. And she goes, well, who? And I said, I'm not going to name names because I don't know who did it. And I'm definitely not going to. Cast dispersions on someone unfairly just because you're liberal doesn't mean you did this. It does mean you shouldn't work here. And Roger would never put up with this. Shit. Why would you do that? Do, do you know what I mean? They see this as war. It's like I'm not that. I'm an actual liberal. Like I'm totally fine being like our makeup artist is like a screaming lefty. Um. No, but I'm not that way. You know. But they are that way. And I said I'm not ashamed of anything I said.
1: Do you now look like you recently had COVID? I do. You did. look fresh-faced and healthy. But do you
2: know what I mean, Justin? I don't know. You're if, if you've got like that that horrible guy who was just horrible, who was Judge Janine's uh, guy, I couldn't. Yeah, that guy. He's like a screaming left-wing lunatic. Why does he work here? What? He totally over his anchor, and then we expect he's not going to over the network. Like, I don't have specific information on it, but I would. It's just. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like I'm always telling I'm telling my children, like you know what the truth is. You can feel it. Don't lie to yourself. Uh,
4: in
0: here.
2: She's so great.
0: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. <laughs> he just starts the show. That's 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 how it is. Um, you know what's interesting about that, Don. Um, the other interesting thing about that clip, besides the contract maybe being broken. What he's talking about with that producer, and you and I have talked about this, if you work on a conservative show, you don't have to be conservative. I mean, like, I, I worked with you for years before I knew anything about your political leanings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I know you pretty well now is just from the sheer number of years we've worked together. But, yeah, but nobody, when we were put together, nobody said, well, here's a conservative guy uh, for you, we've had you've you've seen me have many different producers. Uh, you're a technical producer, but the show producers you've seen us have many of those. They're they're left, they're right, they're centrist. Some of them have no politics. Some of them are very young and haven't even made up their minds yet. We don't care. But what he's pointing out is, if a conservative media organization brings in somebody who is very ideologically to the left, they will act like a saboteur they will not be able to separate the fact that, okay, this is your job, we're paying you. Your job is to make the host look good, help support what he's doing. There is a a kind of, and and that's, that's part of what he's talking about, is that idea that he doesn't care about the politics of his makeup artist, but why is Fox employing people who are then, as he put it, deeing over Mm -hmm. the network and and it's a good question um i've seen this happen where you bring somebody in and they just can't handle being around the ideology yeah at some point you
5: could your unhappiness depending on what you know political leanings you are and if you are working for a a, you know a more conservative um media uh, the unhappiness of that person is going to end up coming out and and yeah. yeah, and it's going to show.
0: Well, it it might, but I used to tell people when I used to when we used to have a lot more producers, and I used to help interview for them. I, I used to say to them, "Look, uh, I, you, we can talk about your political view, but I, I'm not going to hold it against you or in your favor." I I was always looking for people that were that were creative and and uh, you know would contribute to the show and. There's so many there's so many different ways you can do that. I mean, we had this one guy who was pretty liberal. So, you know, I I don't think he probably liked the opinions that I was expressing, but he was really good on like pop culture stuff. He knew a lot about it and he made some really interesting uh, you know, uh, audio pieces for us and he was always up on what was going on with movies and new movies and stuff. And so, he brought a lot to the table. We didn't need to agree. It was okay, and he didn't need to like what I was saying about, you know, George Bush or you know John Kerry or whoever. But I, th- I think what Carlson is saying, and I think it happened at Fox, and that that's what this producer that's suing him, that's what this is about, is there are people on the left that can't ever stop being political. Most conservatives can live with it, can roll with it. Can love you anyway, can eat Thanksgiving dinner with you anyway. And 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 a lot of liberals can too. But there are some people on the left that can never stop being people of the left. And and those are people that if you bring them into an organization uh like Fox News or This Show or, or any uh thing like that, uh they will become essentially a saboteur or a potential at least source of embarrassment. And I think that's what's happening. I, I, I don't know all the facts. I'm, I'm surmising some things, but it looks to me like the, the woman at Fox that's trying to get him, mm-hmm. uh, was that kind of person. But here's the question. How do you get around that if
5: you're doing job interviews when you know you're not supposed to ask uh, someone's political leanings?
0: Well, you can't, but if they come into your organization and they start acting that way and being toxic, I think you have to have a sit-down with them. I shouldn't be talking about HR stuff because I'm not an HR guy, but it would seem to me that you would give them every opportunity to straighten out, not to change their their viewpoint, but just to understand, okay, look, we're, this is a business. It's like if you work in a hamburger restaurant, you don't have to like hamburgers, but you have to hand over hamburgers to people who like them. So if you work at KTSA on the Jack Riccardi show, you don't have to like what Jack says, but you have to help hand out what Jack is handing out. And if people understand that usually they straighten out and they say okay i get it and we, i remember having those conversations with people but you know i suppose if you if you couldn't if you didn't and it never came to this for me but if it if it got to the point at fox where somebody was just you know continuing to angst about it you gotta you gotta move them around and move them away from that or maybe move them to a job that's not Ideological. Maybe they work on one of the Fox shows that's not, you know, ideological. Cause didn't they move her around? Isn't that what I remember? Yes. That she had worked on they two did. or three different things. It sounds like that's what they were trying to do with her. But, uh, but again, this really interesting question is, can Tucker Carlson go to Twitter or will they try to stop him? This could be the next big legal battle that you'll see in the headlines. On the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery, did you watch CNN's Trump Town Hall last night? broadcast from New Hampshire with an audience of New Hampshire voters asking him questions and Caitlin Collins from CNN hosting it. And um, if you did watch, then you probably remember this moment about E. Jean Carroll's cat. Can we play that one, Don?
3: of New York, I want to ask you about a significant verdict that was reached yesterday. I know this is something you want to weigh in on as well. Manhattan jury found that sure. you sexually abused the writer Eugene Carroll and defamed her. You've denied this. But what do you say to voters who say it disqualifies you from being president? Well,
1: there aren't too many of them because my poll numbers just came out. They went up. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm... I think I'm... I'm the only person in history who had a charge like that. And usually you you leave office, you say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to back home. I'm back home to my family and everything. I'm going to be resigned. My poll numbers went up and they went up with the other fake charge, too. Because what's happening is they're doing this for election interference. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I had a picture taken years ago with her and her husband, nice guy, John Johnson. He was a newscaster, a very nice man. She called him an ape happens to be Afri- African American called him an ape the judge wouldn't allow us to put that in her dog or her cat was named vagina the judge wouldn't allow to put that in mm. all of these things he, but with her they could put in anything access yeah i
0: i didn't i didn't need to know that i did not need to know that i guess if you're trying to say that you don't know someone <coughs> probably knowing the name of their cat is not the way you prove that right like I don't know this person at all, but their cat's name, you know, of course it is a memorable name. Is that even true? What kind of a name is that for a cat? All right. Um, here's a question. I, I, I just, I, I don't know if we've brought this up or not. I've been kind of wondering about this. What is going on with Jamie Foxx? Have you, have you heard this story? Are you, are you aware of this at all? I don't know how much you've heard about this, but this has been going on for weeks. Jamie Foxx, the actor, was, uh, making a, shooting a, a movie. And, um, I think he was in Atlanta. The movie's gonna be with Cameron Diaz. It's a major movie. And something happened. Some sort of medical issue happened. And he was taken to the hospital. And they didn't say what it was, but typically in a story like this, you eventually hear what it was. And then the, the, the little bits and pieces that were coming out sounded kind of dire. Uh, friends of, of Jamie Foxx were posting on social media, prayers needed. And, um, you know, this could be it. And there was a, um, story just, I think yesterday, uh, about how, um, you know, his family was gathering. But then there are also stories saying no no he's 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 doing fine he's not um people magazine says uh family source says he's stable and not in a life threatening situation. So on the one hand people who know him have made it sound like um he might not make it. And then on the other hand people are saying oh no he's he's recovering but they're still not saying what it is, and I didn't realize, do you know how old he is? Because I was thinking of Jamie Foxx. He looks great. He's in great shape. I thought he was like 35, 40 years old. He's 55 years old. I didn't know that. I was going to say, I hope I look that good, but I've already been 55. It's too late. So he looks like he's in great health, and um, I guess I just kind of wonder what, I'm not trying to be nosy, but I mean, I, I really like the guy. I think he's very funny, very talented. And it just seems odd that there's this mystery to his um, hospitalization. Here's how ABC News is reporting the story today. Take a listen.
6: This morning, people close to actor Jamie Foxx giving an update on his mysterious hospitalization. A source telling People Magazine they were told the Ray star. I might be
4: blind, but I ain't
6: stupid who is recovering in a hospital from an undisclosed medical emergency last month, is stable and not in a life-threatening situation now. That person also saying doctors are doing more tests and want to be completely sure that he will be okay before allowing him to be discharged, and that the Oscar winner has been advised to keep his stress level down once he leaves the hospital
2: sources do tell people that they want to make sure that he is perfectly stable when they do eventually release him but unfortunately we still don't know exactly when
6: that will be this update coming just days after this message was posted on Fox's Instagram account saying appreciate all the love feeling blessed before being hospitalized the 55 year old was most recently seen filming in Atlanta with co-star Cameron Diaz on the set of Netflix upcoming film back in action The Fox Insider telling people what happened to him medically is serious enough to keep him in the hospital. But adding the hospital is the last place Jamie wants to be, saying he has a lot of projects going on. He gets things done. He is focused and astute.
2: We've heard from some friends in his inner circle that he is recovering well and they all do uh, hope for the best. And they do think that he will come out of this uh, sooner rather than later.
0: You know what I think it is? Um, I'm like, I'm a very private person about medical stuff. Well, about everything, but like, I, I would not, I've said this before. I would not, um, share on this show anything medical. I would try not to anyway. I mean, I, I think I said when I had COVID, obviously, if I have like a cold or laryngitis, you're going to know, but uh, I, I'm private about it. I, I, I appreciate that people are, but you know what I think it is? Most people are not anymore. Like the, the new way we do this, and not just famous people, but have you noticed, just like people you're friends with on Facebook, they're, they're, uh, posting their colonoscopy results and their, you know, cholesterol numbers and selfieing themselves in an ER room and I, hey, I'm in the hospital. I just had chest pain. I mean, we now overshare so much on medical stuff, that it stands out when someone is being very private about it, and apparently he's being very private about it. It it does all sound very contradictory, like one minute he's at death's door and the family's gathering, the next minute, hey, I'm doing great, I'll be out soon. And just the length of time, he's been in the hospital for like a month. I mean, you know how these things work. They don't keep you in the hospital. Usually they don't keep you as long as they probably need to. Right, They push people out the door pretty fast. So y- y- you think this has got to be something extremely serious. And then on the other hand, you don't know. And then you think, well, we're we're not really meant to know. But we live in a world where everybody knows everybody's stuff. And I'm okay with the privacy thing. I am. I just hope he's okay. I really like him and hope whatever this turns out to be. I don't need to know what it is. I just hope he comes back from it. Uh, what do you think? 210
6: 599 5555. You know, when hot-blooded.
0: I was in high school and listening to a lot of Foreigner, I was on the school newspaper. Um, I did that for, I think, two or three of my high school years. In fact, I became the managing editor uh toward the end and that was my big extracurricular activity did a few other things but but the newspaper took up a lot of time I was very proud to be a part of it it was an award-winning newspaper we we, we really I think for a, for a school newspaper I, I think we did a really good product and it was great preparation for college and for journalism and um but it involved being after school several days a week, and it involved staying at the school one night a week. And I mean late, like 11 or so. I'm not even sure how they would do that now with all the security at schools, but they, they had an arrangement, and the custodians had the arrangement, and we were there. We were we were putting the paper to press um, one night a week. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday night. Anyway, my parents... Um, we're a little skeptical of all the hours that I spent. We also had weekend meetings that we had to go to. The all the editors had to meet on Sundays to decide on stories we were going to cover and assign them to reporters and stuff like that. And they were a little skeptical as to the amount of time, but um they, I, I wouldn't even say they, they, they had faith in me. They had faith in the school. They figured, well, this has to be legit. I mean, it's the school. It's a teacher that's supervising and running this. Um We even had meetings at her house sometimes, several of us, with her. And I think about how things have changed. You could not have the benefit of the doubt that my parents had for me in 2023 at a public school. You if your kid is saying, yeah, I'm going to be after school and I'm going to be staying nights. I'm going to be, you would need to know more. You would need to know more than my parents knew. They knew virtually nothing. They took it on my word. And again, the sort of the premise that it's a school activity. There's a group of parents in Colorado that are suing a school district because the school district was running several, uh, GSA clubs. Is that the government GSA? Gender and Sexualities Alliance. And the clubs discussed gender fluidity and sexual attraction. And what the parents are suing about is that the children were told systematically to keep the group's activities secret from parents. And in the, in the case, the parents are alleging that their children were confused, harmed, damaged, uh, suffered emotional uh, damage. Pam Bondi, do you remember Pam Bondi? She was the Attorney General of Florida. You see her a lot on Fox News. She's now an attorney in private practice. She's uh, repping the parents in this case. A- and I think to myself, first of all, what a difference... A few generations have made where now just knowing it's a school sanctioned activity is not enough. That, that does not, that's not the beginning and the end of what you needed to know. Like my parents only needed to know that in the 1980s. The other thing I think about is. You remember the whole stranger danger thing. If you didn't grow up with it, perhaps your kids did, but you you remember when we got very fixated and focused on the idea of telling kids, of telling our kids how to detect when a, an adult was a threat. And one of the cardinal rules of stranger danger was secrecy. That if a, if an adult ever Told you not to tell your parents something or threatened you if you did tell your parents something or even suggested that it might be a good idea if your parents didn't know you were going here or didn't know you were doing that. That was an, an immediate, that was a, that was it. I mean, run, don't walk the other way. And we've gone from that to school activities and even classroom activities that actually tell kids might be a good idea if you didn't discuss this with your parents. I want to know what you think. I thought this was interesting, Christian. Um, as we get all this reporting and we see all these videos from the border and this story playing out hour by hour, um, Bill Malusian, the Fox reporter, says that he was talking to some of the people that were stopped by the Texas National Guard. You know, they they're actually physically blocking them and using barbed wire and stuff. And he said, um, I guess they call it concertina wire but he said they, they seemed to believe based on what they have heard that they would just be waved in yes yes i have heard that
5: and i think and, that's and, I mean, why the,
0: yeah go ahead that's that's uh, i guess that's to me one of the most game changing things cuz our impression or our stereotype of somebody crossing a border illegally is that they're kind of like running in a crouch, or they're coming in the dark, or they're mm-hmm. going to an obscure place. And these are folks that are saying we're, we're perplexed. We we heard you could just walk in. That's right. Yeah, and that's why the numbers are so big. Mm-hmm. It's a fr- mm-hmm. you know, who's not going to show up for a free meal? You know, a, a, fr- a, fr- a free meal, a free a, a free life. I mean, a, a chance to live in the best country in the hemisphere. Yeah, and the place that people all around the world, when they do these global surveys... they By the way, they say there's 900 million people in the world, they estimate, that would like to leave the country they're in. I'm sure. And the number one choice, I mean, there's not even a close second... No. ...is the United States.
4: Live afar and then
1: criticize this country yep. because there yep. are so many who have never been here. They've yep. seen the movies, they've read the books, they've heard the stories, just like you said. Yep. They would yep. give you-know-what
0: Yeah, to come here. Yeah, there you go. And I know you've done it. I know you've lived yeah. overseas, and you can say that. Yep. Well, have a good night, sir. Thank you. We'll get to the results on the J.R. Poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, later in the hour. We're going to talk some more about uh, the CNN town hall with former President Donald Trump. We'll hear some more of the uh, highlights from that. Did you watch that? Or you? Did, did you find that? In any way, enlightening? Are you more or less with Trump because of it? I, I, I kind of sense that it was a good brand, um, reinforcer for him, but it was not a brand builder for him. So it wasn't, it wasn't like having Dylan Mulvaney endorse Bud Light, <laughs> but it also wasn't, it, to me, it wasn't a, um, I didn't see or hear anything that i felt would change the minds of people i know that are skeptical or you know just down on uh Donald Trump uh they did have a big audience 3.15 million and uh more than double what fox had in the same time slot Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. uh by the way speaking of television a little local news uh was announced that um Kens 5 is promoting Henry Ramos to be the uh weeknight co-anchor for the, the the main newscasts at 5 and 10. Uh so Henry Ramos who we had on this show back when he was reporting from Uvalde, really great guy, one of the hardest working people in local television going to be co-anchoring with Isis Romero on uh Ken's 5. That's well deserved. You like to see people that work hard, work their way up and get recognition. And I, I don't know him personally, but I know he's a hardworking reporter and he did amazing work, uh, in Uvalde. Uh, 210 599 5555. Yeah, I think, I think that the town hall kind of illuminated or underscored the difference between Trump now and Trump then. And I'm not blaming Trump for this, but Trump in 2015, Trump then, was talking about your life, your challenges, the way that this country was letting its own people down, whether it was jobs going offshore, whether it was lacking infrastructure, things not working, illegal immigration worsening, healthcare costs skyrocketing. And all of that was a real kitchen table. I get that, I can relate to that. It was a moment when he announced his his candidacy and started giving these speeches. These cut through the clutter for people, people that tune out politics because they hear politicians talking about stuff they don't care about or talking about it in a way they don't really understand or just talking about it without really saying anything right i mean it's, that's that's the skill for politicians, right They can talk for forty five minutes about health care. And never say anything about healthcare. But they heard him and they, they heard a guy, and he was the last guy in the world you'd have thought would, would get you, right? He's a multimillionaire. But he was he was talking about this stuff in a way that cut through. And he did that, and he did that and he became president. And then we know all the things that have happened. And a lot of it has happened to him, and a lot of it has happened to this country. And now it seems to me like he is very consumed by defending himself. And I understand why. We all do. But that means we're not hearing as much about us. We're hearing more about him and them. And, and you can say, well, it's important, Jack, because the people that are attacking Hammer are coming for us too. But, but I mean, yes, to a point that's true, but that's a little bit of a stretch because you and I still have the problems and the challenges in our day to day lives that we have always had with the culture, with public schools, with healthcare, with employment, with inflation, with energy prices. And, and, and if anything, these things are even more strained or broken or under stress than they were before. And I I watched last night, or I skimmed through, I probably watched about 65% of it. There seemed to be a lot more passion in this man for his defense, and there seemed to be less energy and specificity about us. That was my takeaway from it. Um, I get why. I guess... None of us know how we would be if we were under this kind of constant persecution. But he is his own worst enemy. And in engaging in this constant defense of himself, it just doesn't leave a lot of oxygen for the stuff we're dealing with. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. Obviously, this border crisis is a big story. I I have a hard time with the word crisis because to me, a crisis is something that comes upon you unexpectedly. You know, you get a call and a loved one's been in a car accident or um, you come home and your house is on fire or your identity has been stolen or something something happens to you that you, you, you didn't foresee, you couldn't foresee you couldn't really do anything to prevent and all of a sudden it it's the only thing you have to that, that you can think about that you care about the border is not that these people didn't all just show up we we've seen this coming we've built up to this we've caused this and when i say we i don't mean you and me but our country its leaders its voices we we invited this. This is not a crisis. This isn't a hurricane that suddenly blew into the into the town and wiped out all the houses. You, you, we were talking about how the, the Bill Malusion is talking to people who thought they should come now. American voices told them that. Government told them that. They don't understand why they're not being waved in. I believe them. They were told that. We've seen this coming. We've been building to this moment. It's not a crisis. And it's also very clearly not some sort of um, failure like, oh, we just, we tried. You know, a, a failure is you threw everything you had at it and that wasn't enough. So you can say failure when you gave it your all and it just didn't, you know, you you lost the game by one point. This is a, an administration that refuses to do their job. They've erased that border, figuratively and literally. They mocked and belittled policies that were working, and, and you can do that if you have better ones. They even mocked and belittled the idea that we would ever have something like this. I can remember when they would talk about, oh, the caravans, that's just disinformation. That's just Fox News and talk radio. And So what, are these pictures on the screen of every channel now? Are these AI generated? Looks real to me. So it isn't that they failed, they couldn't do it, the numbers were too great, it's a job no one can do. None of that's true. Failure doesn't apply here. The people who are coming are gaming a system that's been built for them to game, and they've been invited to game it. And we know why they're coming, and we can't fault them for wanting to. But... We have absolutely no obligation to be letting them in. And so much of the focus is on the people coming that there's almost no opportunity to talk about or care about the people that are affected by it. And pretty soon that's going to be more and more people. And they're not just going to be in Texas border counties, they're going to be further inland, they're going to be further north of us, they're going to be in big cities and small cities. They're going to be in places where up until recently most everyone knew everyone else. So we're talking about the Trump Town Hall. We're talking about Title 42 and the border. And we have the story about the parents in Colorado that are suing the school district because their kids were in an after-school club for gender fluidity. And the parents in particular are perturbed by the, the club and the, the adults involved Telling the kids, "Don't tell your parents. Don't talk about this at home," which seems like a huge red flag when you when you have the responsibility and the privilege of working with children. Um, you have a, I believe, a sacred responsibility to honor their upbringing, uh, to be transparent with their parents. We, we know whether it's the Catholic Church, the Boy Scouts of America, any institution where there is an opacity or a lack of transparency, there's, there's going to be trouble. And common sense, if nothing else would tell you that anywhere adults are trying to get kids to keep secrets from their parents, there will be trouble. You know, this whole, Movement, discussion, push, whatever you want to call it for gender fluidity and gender identity and trans is really, is really failing right before our eyes. I mean, I know that the news is full of things that you may find discouraging or bewildering, but just keep in mind in every survey. Okay. In every survey, large majorities of Americans in every age category and in every other category are rejecting this philosophy, if you will, or this ideology, if you will. So whether it's um, mixing the sexes in youth sports or locker rooms or or children having puberty blockers, or children having um, surgical treatments, or teachers discussing trans identity and pronoun changes in elementary school. Huge majorities are against it. Now, it's interesting. We're we're a very, um, we're a very fair-minded people I would say, if I can make a broad statement, about 330 million people. I mean, surveys also show that that people, by and large, don't wish to interfere in the lives of other people. They don't hate people that have a completely different idea about sex and gender than they do. It's not that. But it's pretty clear that the line they draw, and the line is clear, is about kids and is about people... Uh, placing themselves between kids and their families, so I, I think we are seeing—if not the peak—we are very near the peak of the madness and the audacity that's been dominating the news. They've—they've they've taken their best shot. They've taken their—they've—they've they've swung for the fences. They pushed it. They used, I believe, the. COVID period and the immediate reopening of schools. And it, it hasn't worked. People are onto them. People are getting it. And a great many Americans who, again, don't, don't care how you live your life and don't care who you love and don't care what you call yourself, absolutely care and are not buying that this belongs in school or that, um, people should be pushing this on kids. It's not complicated at all. People say, oh, it's a very complicated subject. No, it's not. I, I think you could boil it down to one sentence. Adults, you do you. Leave the kids alone. I guess that's two sentences. Let's use a semicolon, then it's one. This half hour, we'll have the results on the JR poll question powered by River City Oral Surgery. Did you watch CNN's Trump Town Hall? Over three million did. It was the most watched cable news show of the night by a lot. Yeah, it's pretty clear if Trump was receiving millions of dollars from enemy and adversary countries while in office, he would be locked up. He would be in chains. And Biden, they're dancing. I mean, I I get that the Republicans are subpoenaing documents and putting together reports. They need to impeach him. If a third of this is true, they need to impeach him. Because you know, if this had been found to be the case about Trump, you know they would because they did over much less over a phone call. Anyway, see how you voted coming up here, and let's take a listen to the Jack Chat line. That's the number 210-599-5550. You can hit it any time. Leave a comment if you're listening to the podcast. If you are if you miss out on a topic or can't get through on a topic and you uh, have something to say about it, first name, city, or town, and comment 210-599-5550 for the Jack Chat line. Hi, uh,
4: this is Scott from Ciblo. Uh On your question on the 70s, I agree there's too many bands to kind of nail it down, but my top five are Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, The Who, CCR, and Cross Stills, Nash and & Young. And do I have one more? If there's one more in there, I'll say <laughs> the Doobie Brothers, my first concert ever. Thank you.
0: That was six, but it was a good six. I'm glad I got the Doobie Brothers in there. Gotta have some love for the Doobie Brothers. All right, let's see what's next.
4: Hello, hi Jack. Uh, my name is Margie. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. First time caller, and I—I'm not sure, but I think uh, I would say the Earth, Wind, and Fire would be my favorite. It as it was back in the '70s, but uh, they had a lot of a lot of hit mm-hmm. uh, music. So I'm hoping it was back in the '70s. But I love it, and yeah. uh, great job. Thank you, Jack. Bye.
0: Good choice. Love, earth, wind, and fire. All right, next on the Jack Chat Line. Hi, it's Bob. I'm from Virginia,
4: and I was born at Fort Lee, Virginia. I can't speak to about the Fort Hood issue, but I'm proud of my Confederacy heritage, and I will always be born at Fort Lee. My birth certificate says Fort Lee, and so it shall remain. I don't give a hoot what these woke people want. Just leave things alone and go back up to the north where they want to. Thank you. Bye.
0: (laughs) I heard that a few times yesterday, I'll tell you that. Uh, Not going to happen, but you can keep telling me. Um, All right, next on the Jack chat line.
4: Uh, Fernando, uh, San Antonio. um, I was just calling on the uh, 70s, the decade of uh, the best stars of the 70s. Uh, I think a way to appease some of those people that wanted a, I think it's too broad of an issue Maybe we can go with, uh, next time we can go with the best album of the 70s or, or any decade. You know, the best album will, uh, will make it a little bit more difficult, a little bit more of a challenge, uh, to appease some of the other people that, you know, thought the topic this time was a little too broad. Anyway, uh, with that being said, I would go with Peter Frampton, uh, mm. Frampton Comes Alive, uh, and Super Tramp, Breakfast in America. Two albums in the 70s that kicked butt. Thanks, Jack. Mm. Have a
0: good one. Bye. Thank you, Fernando. Yeah, I love Breakfast in America. That is a great album. I love Supertramp. Did we did we even mention Supertramp yesterday, I no? don't think so. I, think, I think we did. It's the first time. Yeah. It's amazing. I don't know how many calls and emails. I mean, way too many to count. It's amazing to me that we couldn't hit them all. That we're still hearing, like, the next day. We're still hearing ones we didn't. And, and, and as to the people that complained, first of all, if the worst thing happening to you is that somebody asks a question on a radio show that's hard to answer, I would say you're having a pretty good day. you know.
5: The decade was, was interesting because there was so many groups from the 60s that were still making great music right. in the 70s, and right. then you had these new groups that were coming out during the 70s, and mm-hmm. then you had uh, 70s groups that uh, blended into the 80s that mm-hmm. were still making mm-hmm. great
0: music. Great point, great point. Yeah, because I even had a guy email me and he made this whole argument for the Beach Boys being one of the great acts of the 70s. Now, I don't... I don't associate the the Beach Boys with the 70s but they made music in the 70s and his argument was it was some of the best. You, as you point out there's all these people who became more f- famous in the 80s sometimes because of MTV but really were 70s bands like ZZ Top. Um I I don't think just so you know and I I'm I'm always open to suggestions and I love them. I don't try to appease the, the complainers. I have people complain to me about the poll questions. I have people complain to me about uh, not only my opinions, but opinions we let on the air, stuff callers say. I have people who uh, think I'm out to get Trump. I have people who think I'm promoting Trump. I don't give a flip. I really don't. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean that to sound arrogant or anything. I am not. We are not doing the show to please people like that because they will never be pleased. So I'm open to suggestions, I love hearing opinions, but I don't sweat the 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 question like oh is it too difficult or is the is the 70s a too 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 big a decade for no, I mean I like the suggestion by the way Don I think I'm I'm making a note of it the the best album question that's probably a good question. Yeah, they're programming the can, station now. You can well no I mean it's just the <laughs> How, how, really, how bitter and unhappy do you have to be to, like, if you're conservative, I don't want to get on a tangent here, but if you're conservative, and I'm conservative, let's be allies. You know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't pick fights with an ally. The, the enemy (laughs) is trying to destroy your culture. It's trying to destroy civilization. And I have people who quibble about grammar and you should have used this word instead of that word. It's like, you know, we're allies. We've got bigger problems than this. We can't there aren't enough of us that we can divide. We have to stay united. Yep. And you know, Trump, DeSantis, whoever gets this thing, I'll tell you right now, whoever gets this thing, you better get behind them. Because think about what the other side represents and where we're going now and what four more years of it would look like. I hope after we've settled it and and had the primaries and had all the the, you know, the fighting, I hope people recognize it, it is us versus them, period. You know?
5: We're just trying to have a little fun.
0: And yeah, if we talk about the 70s for crying out loud, lighten up. <laughs> but I do like Best Album. That's a good idea. It is. Uh, do we have another one? Let's see what else is on there. We have two more.
6: Jeff, this is a Esteban in San Antonio. Uh, uh, the whole outlaw music scene of the 70s, Willie Nelson, Gary P. Nunn, Ray Wiley Hubbard, David Allen Co, uh, James McMur... Uh, Michael Martin Murphy. Mm. That was great. I'm just happy to say that in college, in Corvill, I guess the 1990s were as good as the 70s in the Hill Country because a lot of those old bands fired up. There were some new faces as well. But the whole between Willie Nelson, Chris Christophson and the gang, and Kinky Friedman... That was just some awesome hmm. music.
5: All right, uh, Esteban, thank I, you. I'll give him that on Michael Martin Murphy. You could not turn the radio on without he, uh, hearing the song Wildfire.
0: You know, I got to be honest. Um, that's the only song by him I know. So I, I know he had other albums and stuff. That's the only one I, I think I know. So I, I, I yeah, it's, I actually. Um, the 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 names that were named last night made me really want to like delve into and poke around a little bit more. Like I, I felt like I, I want to hear more. I want to I want to make my seventies, you know, the playlist inside my head bigger. So hopefully, a lot of people did that or rediscovered or remembered. Uh, we got one more on the Jack chat.
4: Hi, Jack. This is Craig in Pipe Creek. I'm calling about the renaming of Fort Hood. And uh, your points about, on a one-to-one basis, clearly, General Cavazos is a superior by a long way. But we both know, as one of your callers strongly uh, presented, I believe, <clears throat> we both know that there's an ulterior motive to this of renaming and taking down, which really grinds my gears. But the reason I called was because you made an a offhand comment, I think, that the Confederate Army was the S-show, and the truth is the South was given the Union fits, and you would remember the Army of the Potomac under, what, two or three generals, McClellan being one, that Lincoln finally, the war did not turn until he found a whiskey-drinking uncouth general by the name of Grant, but because of the industrial might of the North, which also allowed us to win World War II, so in the end it was a good thing, but the Confederate generalship was not, in my opinion, an S show. Thanks for listening. Thanks,
0: Jim. Well, Craig, you probably know a lot more about the Civil War than I do. I'm not presenting myself as an expert on the Civil War. From what I have read, I would just say that the Civil War was um, a terrible uh, meat grinder waste of the lives of soldiers. In other words... A great many casualties and deaths were incurred by poor generalship on both sides, and maybe a more accurate thing to say would be that both of the armies were s shows, because um, as with World War One, you had um, a lot of pride and and um, arrogance by both political and military leaders that led to terrible decisions that led to throwing massive forces into meat grinders into battles where um incredible numbers of men died or were maimed and there was little or nothing to show for it i mean no little or no ground changed hands and there were so many battles in the civil war like that i think you would agree with that craig so um i yeah and and to be sure, there were there were lousy generals on both sides. There were great generals on both sides. Remember that all the Confederate generals had been Union generals. That's where they came from. But I, I don't. I, I think at the end of the day, for me, the 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 takeaway from the Civil War, just in term, I'm not talking about slavery and the issues that led up to it, but just the way it was conducted. I, I liken it a lot to World War One. You know, World War One. Uh, had at its roots an actual dispute and the assassination of the Archduke and all that. But when you look at the, the human cost, um, bad decisions, bad leadership led to a, a colossal, horrible waste of human life. You could say that to some degree about every war, but there are some wars that seem to stand out more for that than others that, the two that stand out for me would be the Civil War and the way British and French and Russian and German lives were wasted in World War One. in my opinion. Craig, thank you, though. I'm sure you know more about it. On the J.R. Poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, did you watch CNN's Trump Town Hall? 79% said no. 21% said yes. I had a funny email from a lady who said that uh, she felt weird Putting on CNN <laughs> like she was like she was being disloyal or something it's just yeah I mean you know you you want to see it that's where it is but you're probably not in the habit of uh, getting a lot of stuff from CNN although those of us that are old enough to remember I mean that used to be the go-to for breaking a long long time ago that was your go-to place all right um remember the story we had a while back about I think this was in New Jersey yeah New Jersey somebody was walking through the woods. And they found these huge piles of spaghetti just strewn about the ground. I don't mean like a strand here, a strand there, like somebody had had a picnic or something, like, like big piles of it. And it was a horrific, those of us that love spaghetti, I mean, this is almost heartbreaking, right? So it became a mystery. Nobody came forward to um explain it. Uh The story went all around the world. It was picked up by news networks and NPR, and a lot of jokes were made. They finally found out what happened. I don't know if you heard this or not. There was a family that, um, I guess someone in the family had moved out of the house, and other family members came along. It sounds like maybe a a parent or grandparent vacated the house. So these other family members came along, and they were cleaning out the house so they could sell it. And whoever had lived there had stockpiled pasta during the pandemic. And... I guess does it, does that stuff expire? I don't even know. I don't even think of that as having an expiration date. I guess it would. It's a dry good, right? I think it would last a long time. Anyhow, uh they didn't know so they threw it in the woods. And when they threw it in the woods, it was dry, but then when it rained, it got wet and it resembled cooked pasta. That was that was part of the mystery like how would how would cooked pasta get into the woods? But it wasn't. It was thrown in there I not really understand why you would do that. I mean, who who carries all that stuff out into the woods? But they did, and that was the explanation. So, In case you were worried, the mystery has been solved. Speaking of mysteries, you know there are people, maybe you're one of them, I don't know, I don't mean to disrespect you, but there are people out there who believe, or I guess I should say who do not believe, that man has landed on the moon, that we did not go to the moon, that that was faked, created in Hollywood, what have you. One of those who believes that is the former head of the Russian Space Agency, a man named Dmitry Rogozin. He is saying now that when he worked at their space agency, their equivalent of NASA, he spent several years researching the possibility or proof that Americans walked on the moon in the Apollo landings, and he says we never found any evidence. We could not find any evidence, and we feel like we would have and should have. And he has become a moon landing denier. He says that he got angry phone calls from his counterparts at nasa who were upset with them and hurt because nasa cooperates with this agency and now all of a sudden here they are being called liars is it possible that the reason um the russian space program hasn't done so well is because they're too busy checking out ours i mean, just just wondering about that <laughs> just pointing that out like maybe like maybe you guys would be doing better if you weren't so focused on us and something that happened 50 years ago which by the way i totally believe did happen but you're entitled to your opinion we all are And you can bring that tomorrow. We're live here at 4 or find the Jack Riccardi Show anytime as an on-demand podcast.